note to, to end on. <laughs> I was modulating there. <laughs> hey everyone, this is Chris Keys, and I am with modulating Jessica Dobson of Deep Sea Diver. <laughs> How are you doing, Jessica? I'm good. How are you, Chris? Real good. Jessica is currently located in Seattle. I'm in Nashville. And uh, if you don't know Jessica from Deep Sea Diver, you've probably seen her on stage with Beck, Shins, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jessica, thank you so much for uh, joining us today and talking gear right before your new album, Impossible Weight, comes out. Oh man, totally an honor. I've always wanted to do one of these, so thanks for having me. I, I have to make a point before we go any further that this is definitely the best setup, and I don't want to disparage anyone that's done this yes. or people going forward <laughs> that do these, but that is definitely the best setup I've seen. I feel like well, I'm at a, a reverb video or any of those YouTubers. This looks great, and oh, I, I'm, yeah. exci I'm excited. Just Thanks. visually. I have to give a shout out to my friend Luke, who's this is his home studio, and he was very gracious to, to let me in here and bring all of my gear. That's awesome. <laughs> well, that's a perfect segue, and thank you for saying that. Let's just talk gear. Now, uh, obviously, these offsets that are surrounding you kind of are your thing, but the El Elvis Costello one is the one that I've most associated with you on stage. How did that become yeah. a thing for you? How, do, how does that his signature kind of become one that you really speak with? So I think the first time I actually played a jazz master was uh, on tour with Beck. I was playing guitar for him and he had just some, I think, I don't know if it was in his arsenal, like, or if he just went and bought it, but he bought like a 63 or a 64 jazz master. It was like sunburst color and it was so beautiful and I can't believe he let me play it and bring it on tour. And I just absolutely fell in love with that guitar, and at the time I couldn't afford to buy a vintage, you know, 64 Jazzmaster, but I went into some guitar store in Huntington Beach, I was living in Long Beach at the time, and I saw this one, and I was like, yep, that's it, and that's going to be my baby for a long time, and it really has been the workhorse, and it just takes such a beating, and it still looks so good, and... There's, yeah, so many fun things on this guitar I could talk about. Well, talk to us about it. This is exactly the forum to do so. So what, if there's anything that you changed or anything you updated, or what, what, what do you really enjoy now that you spent so much time with it? Well, I mean, I kind of did the, you know, what everybody does with these bridges, put the mastery on. Mm -hmm. uh, the, I lost the really long tremolo bar that originally came with it, which I was kind of bummed, because that's what, you know, these guitars are known for, or Elvis Costello's, which those really... <laughs> dives but this one works just fine um and honestly i haven't changed anything else about it like these are the stock custom shop pickups typically a lot, on a lot of my guitars i i switch them out with lawlers and they're they're local you know just down the street from where i am at and i love their gear but this is all stock except for the bridge right on and and what do you like about uh tonally that really you bond with and that you kind of you know, makes it kind of your main instrument. So this one's like, I think a lot of the deep sea diver stuff or just the kind of the way I play is pretty mel melodically and single notey kind of jangly. And I like, uh, I've been influenced by a lot of other guitar players that play either, uh, later I'll play my Jaguar and Jazzmaster, but Johnny Marr and uh, I don't know, a lot of Britpop sounds and the Nels Klein and just it, it, it's really easy to play. And I have really small hands for a guitar player. Um, I would say like my, like, especially my pinky, it's just, it, it's embarrassing. It kind of looked like, it's like a baby's like toe. It's just, the, it's just the smallest hand. So let this be an encouragement to anybody that has small hands that doesn't think they can play guitar. But uh, all of my necks, especially on this one, they're not baseball bats. They're pretty, uh, pretty slim and I don't have my action high. 
it's easy to play and I can wrestle with it and make it sound like it's a strangled cat or make it sound like more Johnny Greenwood, just smooth and deep and glassy. And it just has so many different sounds you can get out of it. And then well, you can add pedals and get even more. Yeah, yeah. With the pedals, it definitely goes like Johnny Good Greenwood space to the screeching cat with your pedals. It does that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I can get that sound. That's a pedal I have. It's called the Johnny Greenwood with the screeching cat. It's good. <laughs> that should be a pedal. All right, Jessica, before we move on to the rest of your arsenal of six strings, what uh, strings and picks do you use? Yes, good question. I use uh, 11, 11s with a 52 heavy bottom. I've always really liked that. I think I play a lot of, a lot on the, the low E string, and I just like want to feel it digging in. So those are good for me, um, the Deuterios. And then pick-wise, Dunlop Orange. Sometimes I use the yellows, whatever, whatever gauge those are. This is 60.60. Um, but usually when I play bass or something like that, I'll use, I'll use the yellows. But orange, yeah. Uh, what made you go with 1152s? Is that something you've used for a long time, or is it uh, trial and error? Uh, it was trial and error. I think I started using it when I started playing in the shins and, and just, like, uh, I wanted... I don't know, for some reason I think in my head I wanted like a, to play it like a baritone or to really dig in. And I play a lot of like single note melody on the low E strings. Mm -hmm. um, so like, let me raise my toe. And I just like, I feel like the, the normal, what is it, 49s, just felt like they were slipping under my mm -hmm. fingers when I, when I would dig in like that. And so I just liked the, yeah, extra heavy. But I, I don't do well with going a gauge up. Like, I can't play 12s. I, like I said, I have really small hands. Um, I, you know, my bends, I need, I need my strings to be nice to me. 11s. 11.52s. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Well, let's get introduced to the new Jaguar. This is the best vintage guitar I own. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is the very first vintage guitar I ever bought. It was in some humble guitar store in Fullerton, California, where I grew up. And I was really in a, a Smith's phase, like in high school and coming out of that. And um, I just absolutely fell in love with this guitar when I saw it. It's the custom like Olympic white with the matching headstock. I put a mastery on it, but I still own the original one because I'm sure some people would be mad at me. Sorry about that. Mm. Um, but it has just all of that like amazing... I always forget what this is called when the paint starts to check. Is that yeah. what it is? Yep. And like where your elbow sits, whoever was playing it, I think must have owned it for a really long time because I mean, the neck is in such good shape. I didn't have to do much work on that, but another one where it's just perfect for my hand size and they're so similar to jazz masters, but they have like, they kind of feel like this bridge from a strat to me. Cause that's what I, first started playing out when I was in junior high was it was like a knockoff it was the Yamaha Pacifica and oh. it cost like a hundred dollars at Guitar Center and that was my strat growing up whatever quote unquote and then playing this I was really into broken social scene and just has this like uh kind of buttery mid-range to it that the jazz master that I, at least the one I have doesn't have and uh yeah it's pretty sweet do you know what you, you said it's a vintage do you know what year it is yeah, it's a 64 pre-CBS. 
and and was it something you were seeking out for a certain era, like a like a pre CBS one, or was it just like this guitar was at the right time in the right place and you saw it? It was the right time, right place. And then I like when it was described to me, like what it was. Uh, I you know heard about pre CBS guitars. Fender I think started in Fullerton, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I should know the history, but <laughs> or better. <laughs> um, but yeah, I played it, and I, at, at the time. The only electric I had was this big baseball bat neck Fender No Caster, which I think was like a 50, it was a reissue. Mm-hmm. I think the No Caster came out in like 51 or something like that. But um, it was, uh, I quickly grew out of it. I was playing a lot of like Class A amps and really chimey stuff. And that plus a telly was like, ooh, this is a little harsh for my taste. And so I'm moving on to this. I was able to get so much more different kinds of tone out of it. And, and in comparison to the Jazzmaster, what do you dig about, like, how, what makes you go to that guitar versus the Jazzmaster? Uh, I mean, I think, like, honestly, it's not necessarily, like, a certain tonality. Like, the Jazzmaster is such a workhorse in terms of tour, and you can really beat it up. This guy's a little more delicate. Um, you know, the intonation is, is, a, is a tiny bit, tiny bit off, but has, like, my favorite position, like, position is, uh... You know the neck pickup. It just is so pleasing, and uh, sound just it's uh, punchy and clear, but has like I said, it has like that kind of lower mid buttery tone to it that the Jazzmaster that I own doesn't have. Now, uh, will you ever or have you toured with this one? No. Oh, you know. I think I took this on a couple Beck tours. I actually remember bringing this to the audition because this was the only kind of like, this might get their attention kind of <laughs> guitar. Like, pretend to know what I, I, mean, I wasn't pretending. I'd had it for a while, but, you know, I tried to at least have something that might get their attention of like, yeah, I have this vintage guitar, even though I'm totally not a vintage guitar purist and I don't care about any of that stuff, but um, I like what I like. It's kind of like uh, a business card in that scene in American Psycho, if you're familiar with Christian Bale, where he has like that. Oh, yeah. It almost, almost like instantly gives you a certain stature. Totally. Yeah. So that's your, yeah. <laughs> it's your business card. And I remember the music director coming up and being like, whoa, what year is that? And I was like, okay, that's cool. But at the time, oh, my gosh, it was so embarrassing. I, the saddles kept flipping because I didn't have the mastery bridge on it. And I was playing. I was like, you know, whatever, uh, that song in, in and like it flipped on the low E and it just, and Beck was there. And thankfully we'd played like a few songs before where it wasn't like, you know, the first note of the audition or something, but it was a little bit embarrassing. So thank you, Mastery. <laughs> my life. Real joke. <laughs> well, I have to ask before we move on to the bill, having your time with James Mercer and the Shins back, how did that ever impact your your kind of gear selection or gear vocabulary uh, because yeah. of whether they put stuff in your hands? It sounded like Beck kind of opened his vault to you. And James is obviously synonymous with the Les Paul Juniors and P90s. So did any of that rub off on you? or? Yeah, that's a really great question. You're right. Like the, Beck was kind of the intro into, I call it colors. Like I, I see pedals as colors. And uh, I'm not a gear hoarder. I don't like go on forums and seek out like what is the newest I was just like I just try to go to shops and play and see what connects with me and so he really brought me more into that world and then the world of colors for the shins 
you know, James, I actually don't ha own any guitars that have P90s. I've never, my ears never gravitated towards that. I don't know why. Although I would really love to have a Les Paul Jr., something like that. And I think it's in the cards soon. Because, um, yeah, as you can see, I have a lot of offset guitars. And then this is my <laughs> only true, well, we'll get into the build that has humbuckers, but they sound like single coils. But this is my true, like, wide-range humbucker guitar, the Starcaster. But um, with James he would play like you know multiple parts on on shin's records and there's a lot of counter melodies and really stabby things and a, a guitar it was funny i had a silver tone um i can't remember the name of it it's like the old black sparkly one with the cupcake knobs oh the jupiter yeah the jupiter and i had that and i brought it with a super reverb to the audition and he was like that's exactly what i played on the last record and i was like sweet like I was kind of proud because I literally went and got that gear because I was like, I think he's playing this and this might give me a better chance <laughs> to play with them. Cause I love positions and I love James and they're all friends now, but um, we're all friends now. But anyways, with James, he really kind of let me loose with like, uh, he trusted my taste and being able to learn and emulate the things he was playing. And then also the shins felt kind of more like we would go into a little bit more jammy world, whereas Beck was like, play the songs tight, keep going. You know, we have a lot to stack into a set. And then mm -hmm. with shins, like we were able to hold things a little bit looser. And so I added more colors to like my pedal board. And it definitely influenced a lot of the sounds that I went on to use for Secrets, the second record, and then this last one too. Well, right on. Uh, I'd love to hear the story behind the built because uh, the built is comes from Iowa and that's that's my home state. So those guys are doing some really yeah. cool guitars and stuff. I first saw Bilts when I went and saw Wilco. And Nels was playing one. I think he has the SS Saptic, if I remember right. And um, I was, we were passing through and somebody from Bilt uh, contacted me and, and we just started talking about guitars. And this was the very first one that I was looking to basically marry my Starcaster and my Jazzmaster mm. because obviously they're two very different guitars, wide range and single coils. And um, I also this thing weighs like a ton and it was starting to hurt my back <laughs> on tour because <laughs> I was like using it for quite a bit of songs. And the difference between weight, I don't know what the poundage is, but like. Yeah, it's just a lot heavier than the Jazzmaster. This thing feels like almost like toy, like it's so light and amazing. And so I, this one I got to build from the ground up. I mean, obviously it's a model that already existed, mm -hmm. but uh, we, they were so down to just like work together to make something that aesthetically and sonically I love. And um, this guy has Lawler El Reos in it, which are kind of their most single coil sounding humbuckers. So... It really is the perfect marriage between, like, they're very bell-like, and they don't have, like, the, they're not, you know, obviously, as the wide humbuckers have that deep growl. They don't have that to it, mm -hmm. but they still have bite and punch, and, yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice marriage. Can, can we hear the result of this marriage? Yes, totally. Let me take the reverb off. It's clouding everything. Uh, single 
angle. So like a lot of deep sea diver stuff will will do kind of Um, here's some chord. the build. Which that song is awesome because I know that you you had uh, kind of sought out Sharon for that part and she, you guys had such a great vocal interplay like your voices work oh, so well. Oh thank you. Like so well together. She's incredible. Yeah you thank guys you. was great how they it was interwoven and it yeah. at some point you're like who you can't distinguish who's singing but it all blends. Yeah we definitely uh, I, yeah, I've loved her for so long and uh, was just Thrill, like I didn't think in a million years that she would be able to do this, and um, yeah, we we definitely kind of have like a similar vocal timbers, like in the lower lower mids, and that's cool that it blends well. Her harmonies, I've always really really loved her unique harmonies. Like I didn't tell her what to sing when she brought those harmonies, and mm -hmm. I it was one of those things where I didn't hear beforehand what she brought, and then it's just a surprise, and it sounds so good. So yeah. Very, very excited about That's that awesome. song and how it turned out. Yeah. And uh, to close up the book, uh, the story on the built, is is there a specific kind of thing you use it for live? Is it more of a thing that you, you know, or is it a backup? Yeah, so this guy I play pretty equally between this and the Jazz Master now. I, I mean, I, I try to bring all three. I just don't play the Starcaster nearly as much because it is just really heavy. <laughs> but uh, whenever I don't want to play the... Starcaster, and I just want like some just nice. Good old yeah, you're not gonna get the same kind of feedback from the Jazzmaster, but obviously I didn't go to town with an immense amount of feedback. But <laughs> well, right it, on. It it has more. Yeah, it it resonates in a cool way, especially we bring it up to the amp, and yeah get a little crazy with it. Now, I'm not familiar with that specific model. Is that a, a semi-hollow or is it true hollow? Semi-hollow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, right on. Uh, let's talk about the Starcaster, last but not awesome. least. Awesome. Yes, this is definitely the most unique one out of the batch. Now, while you're switching guitars, uh, what brought you to the Starcaster? Uh, Johnny Greenwood, <laughs> like most people. It's like, yeah, I mean, I, I've never seen anyone else play it. Um, and obviously a big fan. I grew up playing a lot of Radiohead songs. And um, I think uh, Chris Walla had one in his studio at the Hall of Justice, which is in Seattle. He's in, he was formerly in Death Cab. And I think that was the first real one I played. And this one doesn't have the master volume because it's a reissue. But uh, these guitars are so awesome. <laughs> big fan of Starcasters. And it has, a, you know, it's a little bit, these are similar. So really, this really is the marriage between the Starcaster and and the Jazzmaster. The yeah. marriage without. Or that. I mean, like that one is, yeah, the the built similar headstocks and it's pretty sweet. Yeah, without all the heft. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hear let's hear what this one has to say. Yeah. So what I like about this one is it is pretty sweet that you can get so much out of you know how you're working like 
the volume on your bridge and your neck, and here's kind of the middle position right now, but. So that's middle. You get a real bite out of the bridge. Let's see this right in. I'll back off on my overdrive a little bit. Yeah, it has like that really awesome bitey uh, kind of more in your face. Like it's not going to be glassy and punchy like any of those other guitars are. And I also got into semi-hollows just kind of, I love uh, Feist, Leslie Feist. I love the way she plays. I think she plays like a, uh, shoot, a Starfire. I can't remember the name of it. It's a Guild something. Starfire. You know talking about? Yeah, Guild Starfire. Yeah, the Guild Starfire. Yeah. Um, I think Brit from Spoon played that too. But uh, I've never been an ES335 person. I've played them. I like them. But this is this is what spoke to me. Are those the reissue pickups or did you get, because I think Lawler makes the, he makes I set. swapped them out right away. This is like made all the difference. These are the Lawler, Lawler oh. wide range. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right on. Yeah. And, and uh, well, this is the time to talk about the amps that are kind of flanking the guitars and yourself. What, yes. what have we been hearing so far? Because we have you mic'd up. Yeah, that's my, uh, my second workhorse is the Benson Camara. And I had, uh, I've had a long standing relationship with, uh, with Benson and his amps, and he's been a friend of ours for a long time. And so, like, this one, too, the, the right of me is the uh, one of the first five amps he made of the original Monarch, which is pretty sweet. And it has, like, that bedroom ticking kind of fabric on it. And, uh, yeah, so this one's different than the Camara that I have over here, which is, it's normally 30 watts, and I think he modded it to 15, because I wanted live a little bit more compression coming off the speakers, and, uh, but I like 212s, so, because there's an openness to it, but yeah, it's it's pretty sweet, a lot of fun. And then I used to play this one all the time, I use it to record a lot, um, it's a 90s Greenback Vox, hand-wired, and then my Supro over here is just like, 60s it originally was a bass amp i can't remember the model of this what, what it's called uh it's totally i'm i'm blanking right now but um it's a 115 so it sounds very cool on bass and guitar oh right on now yeah. to go back to the vox real quick is is that the uh, ac30 or ac15 i can't currently ac30 make out how, okay so it's a it yeah a totally so yeah usually using the top boost and 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 cranking it and really turning that what's the knob called it's the uh Oh, the cut knob. Yeah, just so it doesn't get, like, too crazy out of hand bright. Usually crank that all the way up, and it's just such a sweet amp. Now, with the Workhorse uh, Monarch, or the Ban Benson, what did you, yeah. why did you go to that versus the Monarch? Is it more, you have a special feeling for the Monarch because it was such an early amp, or, or is it more of a volume thing? I mean, honestly, this one kind of just is a Monarch. It's just 212s. Oh, like, okay. because it because it got modded down, like, uh, wattage-wise. Um, so it, it's like, it's a, yeah, it's a mix. I, I like to do that to a lot of my gear of just taking elements of other things that I like and seeing if we can blend it. So, yeah. And to move on, before we move on to pedals, this will kind of be a bridge question. 
because I know Benson is really known for having really fantastic spring reverb. Do you use the reverb and are, yeah. are, is it built in? So you use the reverb versus like a pedal? I don't. I, so our other guitar player, Elliot, has the reverb one. Um, I left that out just because I use my Strymon Blue Sky so much. Okay. And in a really active way. Uh, for other projects, I think it w I would fare well with having like just off and on switch for a reverb tank on the on the amp but for this yeah i usually just stick to my strymon well all right well i think it's time to dive into some pedals jessica if yes. you want to maybe, maybe grab your pedals <laughs> if you want to grab maybe your jazz master since that's like yeah that sounds good main sweet baby and then we'll, we'll just dive totally. in yeah pedals colors colors Tone. i think that's a really cool way that you exp <laughs> explained earlier about pedals with colors because <laughs> also sometimes the pedal enclosures themselves speak to you almost before you hear the pedal it's like well that's a red pedal so that might be you know the, the colors themselves and the pedals they they are an art form themselves totally yeah no, i know i appreciate the aesthetics and yeah it's fun having a lot of different colors on my board well, I think the first place we should start is what is like a favorite pedal or a pedal you can't live without or something you have on all the time? Yeah, okay, so not, it's not necessarily on all the time, but I think it's kind of like a toss up between my Earth Drive, which is a pedal, it's a Sarno Music Solutions pedal. It's, I wish it was more popular, I want, so go and buy this pedal, it's really awesome. Um, Nels Klein, told me about it when we were on tour. I think Shins were on the same circuit as Wilco for a while, and I would just sit side stage and, you know, just be a little kid and freak out and watch him play every night. And I saw that he had the Earth Drive, and he was like, you have to get it. I got it. I love it. It has, like, a very, I guess when you're talking about overdrives, I don't get too geeky about terms in it, but it, it, it lets, it doesn't cloud your guitar. It really, like, um does justice to what's coming off the the pickups and just gives it a little a little bit of a boost kind of like i'm trying to think of a good example i'll just play it in a second um that'd be much better the <laughs> electro harmonics deluxe memory man i used to have the really old school one but i think actually i left it at james's place and we swapped because his says mercer on the side of mine right now but that's okay <laughs> um it's i use it all the time it my one of my favorite bands is the clash and just like that quick slapback reverb or not reverb delay i love the chorus and the vibrato on it it's just a, it's always on my board well can we hear that first pedal you're describing the the nels yeah suggested yeah, pedal totally. <laughs> How's that part go? I'm just doing a fake Nels right now. Anyways, I think he uses that one on that song. <laughs> can you hear, can you, can we maybe kick the pedal off just to kind of hear the difference between? Oh yeah, totally. So here's clean. Here's on. Yeah, a little more volume, That's a little more drive. attitude. Yeah, but nothing. The, the totally. are still there. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then, I guess, did you want to hear the Memory Man too? Yeah, oh, of course. Awesome. Here is the Memory Man. So, like, when I'm playing, like, 
have too much access to the delay, but I'll, I'll do a lot of freak out moments with it. You know, it has that classic, you know, oscillating sound when you mm -hmm. put, kick up the delay and the, and the feedback all the way. I can do a little of that if you want me to, or I'm sure everyone's heard what it sounds yeah. like to turn your delay up. <laughs> that, that makes me think about how you, because you have such an ear for how everything fits within your song structures and compositions, how you and Elliot work together so much when he plays guitar in the band. How's, how do you guys see where you need to sit and what, not yeah. even like what parts, but tonally where you guys mesh and meld? Totally, that's a great question. So I have this weird place of being, I'm lead singer and lead guitar player as well, but also handle 10 of the rhythm. So I'm wearing a lot of hats and Elliot does a really, really great job of filling in the gaps. And so there are, you know, actual songs that we have that have counter, you know, melodies. Um, I'm trying to think. That's one of the parts he'll play. And then I have the counter melody on top of that. And we make sure whenever we have really distinct parts that tonally we're not stepping on each other or where it sounds like the same guitar. And so mm -hmm. he's awesome to to play with because we just get to have a lot of fun like it's we're not too precious about you know being like i think this works better or i'll take this part you take this part. yeah it's fine and he, he did this really cool thing where he on the record the new one uh there's a song lights out where i have this um really fuzzed out like kind of guitar solo it sounds a little like oh, I, I hate when i have a delay on and there's fuzz that sounds like crap So he'll take, I think, a chimier version of that and put, um, like, a totally... Actually, he puts delay on it, and it has this really weird stereo warped feeling where we're playing the same solo at the same time, but uh, it sounds really fun. Yeah. Because on the record, I, I ended up doubling it with two totally different tones, and, yeah, it's it's pretty sweet to when it works out to play with him. Well, Jessica, from that point, I'm just going to have you kind of take over. How about you we'll start off, what, what's like a favorite tone or a go-to tone or a, a, a situation where you see, you know, a couple pedals on and I'll just have you walk us through your pedal board. Yeah, so uh, I really love, right now I have the Strymon on right now, the Blue Sky. I love the plate reverb. Um, kind of what I have already played a few times, that like impossible weight tone. I love, uh, one of my other favorite pedals on my board is this Pleasure Trim 5000. I think I got it like 10 or so years ago. I don't know if they make them anymore. It's by Dual Tone. And it's my one of my favorite, real like, I, I think I fell in love with it because it reminded me of How Soon Is Now kind of tone from, from the Smiths. Yeah. And, uh, but like when I, I have it at the end of my chain, so like when I'm doing any kind of freak out stuff, like. And I have it where I can adjust it with my foot. I love tremolo, but I love it, especially when it's in, a, in a extreme settings. Oh, totally. And it does, like, non-extreme things very well, too. <laughs> it has a 
a, a triangle and a square wave, and so you can get a lot smoother sounds. Right now, it's kind of our, it's like in between, but the depth was all the way up, so that's a very extreme version. But that's kind of what I use on songs like Wide Awake, um, and just other parts with that, that I want to freak out in with, the set. With Wide Awake, is that is that paired with a fuzz at all, or is that just the tremolo just yeah. being, okay. Or actually, so I have a Chase Bliss Brothers on my board right now. I can't, I think originally when we recorded that song, I had, I was playing the smaller version of the Supro. I can't remember the name of it. It's also from the 60s, but it's like a 1.8 a or a 110. And so the compression itself really, really led that kind of fuzzy sound where I think I was using, um, <laughs> I don't own this pedal and it's one of the most sought after, uh, the Klon. Yeah. Oh. Um, it was a Klon and like a 110 Supro or something like that. And so that was the, the fuzzy sound. And, you know, I can't afford to buy that pedal. But I do have an awesome Chase Bliss Brothers that does overdrive and boost and fuzz. And um, often I'll use the Benson preamp pedal too, just like crank it. But this is kind of, this is my live sound for fuzz for that song. <laughs> The other kind of common fuzz I use is the JHS, um, the sock one. That's totally not the official name for it. I feel like a jerk. But you guys know what it looks like. It's pink. <laughs> yeah. And it has more of a gated kind of sound to whatever. And the only other fuzz I have with me right now is the Wocha Hell. It's just weird, and it kind of, I mean, I feel like this is the most Jack White pedal that I own. Um, it's octave, and it has this, like, I'll just play it. A little bit St. Vincent-y. You know? Was that something that was used on Lightning Bolt? Because that has, like, an octave. I yes, okay. totally. Oh, right yeah. on. Oh, that, I, gosh, I need to, like, I haven't played that song in so long, but that's one of my favorite parts on the record. Is that solo? But if I tried to play it right now, it would sound like absolute crap. So I'm not going to try. <laughs> Just get the record. Just get the record. Yeah. Um, another like sweet thing about my board right now is um, for the longest time, I was very anti-looper switch pedals um, because I guess if I was... I'm not a tone purist. I'm not like a vintage guitar purist, but there was something that I really held tightly to about like switching on and off all of my pedals manually and doing the dance and I kind of embraced that and loved that because it I don't know why and then I finally learned my lesson and I was just like if I I can't I can do that for the shins and I can do that for other projects but like for my own if I'm trying to interact and be engaging with the people that have that are coming to see a deep sea diver show like I knew something needed to give because I was just looking down a lot of the time so I ended up getting a Boss ES8, and what I really love about it is I've kind of just memorized where all the buttons are, so I don't, I don't even look down anymore. And a lot of my pedals are on MIDI, so it's just like literally you can go. I don't know if I have anything set up right now. I obviously haven't toured in a minute, but <laughs> let me take that crazy fuzz off. So... 
That's my diamond delay. Hold on, I'm gonna do something cool. Uh, or hopefully it's cool. I think it's cool. Um, on impossible weight, there's like so. This is my first setting for impossible. What? And then it goes to this really crazy where I put. You can you know put different things in the chain before or after, and that's one of the best features of the looper pedal. So I put like my memory man before the brothers, so it compresses and it has this weird. Um, almost reverse delay effect. Actually, I do that with a diamond where I turn the mix all the way up and the feedback all the way down. So it's just compressing in a code. So it's pretty sweet. And then obviously if it wasn't in front, if the delay was behind it, it would have a totally different tone. So that's pretty sweet. You can just like flip of a switch, have a totally different sound, and I'd never had that before. Yeah, it's it's funny how some, I guess with anything with guitar, there's always so many written rules about everything. Yeah. And pedal order is one of them. Like you know, boosts have to oh, be yeah. here, and so it's it's funny when you <laughs> go outside that norm, what you can unlock. Totally. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I. I think it's so important, like people, I have a couple of guitar students from time to time and they go like, what's the right order? And I'm like, I don't have that answer for you. Just buy the pedals you like and have as much fun as possible. Try new things, put them, put them in completely different orders. Yeah, cause like, you know, the pleasure trem, tremolo would sound completely different on the front of the chain. It wouldn't catch like all of the sound and you know, make it sound choppy. And so it's, you just have to experiment. Yeah. Well, what else is sitting on the board that we should hear about or learn about? Well, I was just talking about the Diamond Delay, which I love. I think they're a Canadian company. Um, I have the Memory Lane Junior, which is the smaller guy. And let's see. So what's rad about this one is on the tap switch, you can hold. I, I love things that I can manipulate on the fly, especially like hands-free. So here's like if you hold it down. Um, here's your quarter note, kind of. I'll turn the modulation up because I really love the modulation on this pedal. And then on the fly, you just hold it down, and it goes into eighth notes. I love pairing it with actually my pog and when it's on quarter note mode, it sounds like the most beautiful organ. Let's check it out. So yeah, it just has a really, really pleasant uh, feedback tone it's not too dark not too bright and you know just comparatively like for the the memory mans are just so known like for having that little bit of extra overdrive on you know like the trails and so here's like i'll put it in quarter or eighth that's the diamond that's the memory man like Sarah, let me take the reverb off so once again diamond cleaner memory man it's obviously a little bit faster, the delay, but it, yeah, there's nothing like the tone of the memory man. So I sweet. love the, the modulation factor that the diamond can bring in, like something, oh, you know, yeah. that I, I think you use that really well and not overdone because, you. you know, people can kind of use that as a, 
a crutch or or that you know becomes like their you know people's thing but it totally it, it, yeah it's tastefully thank you um i guess to hop over to another modulation pedal this is my this is i'll do a little smith thing i just fucked that up doesn't even matter you guys know what that song sounds like <laughs> i can play it i love the warped vinyl this is another chase bliss pedal so pleasant it kind of it's like a mix between a chorus and a vibrato but uh what else do i have on here um how do you use the warp vinyl how is that different than than like a chorus set in the memory man or something else it's really subtle like to me it sounds it's kind of in the name of the pedal just more warped like a like i can literally hear just the needle kind of cruising around on an old vinyl like where <laughs> chorus it like I actually don't own any, I know I have a boss course at home, but all of my other modulations on my board are like on other pedals that are doing something else. Mm -hmm. So this is really, I don't have the settings like dialed on my warped vinyl right now. I know I have a more chorusy type sound, but I don't know if you can hear that. Like I'll kind of let it ring out. Like it has a different kind of pulsation to it. I think than a lot of, chorus pedals mm -hmm. but uh and yeah there's i mean the chase plus pedals are so known for deep dives in everything they do and they have the dip switches on the back and to be honest i haven't pulled this pedal out for for a little while it was living on my board for a long time and then i had to take it off for some stuff but i love that that pedal as well well what, what else is lurking down the board anything else you want to uh, give a shout out to or you know let us hear oh uh, well here's the here's the benson preamp um i was actually really stoked uh they Benson, we did like a limited edition impossible weight preamp pedal. So like the, the impossible weight artwork is on it and, uh, which that's coming out in, or their, the pre-sales over, but that's coming, they're actually coming out in mid October with the record. Um, and, but this is what the preamp sounds like. This is it cranked and super, super fuzzy. Over <laughs> on but this is it in its pure form now it is the chase bliss was on there's a little mark about i love him too um but yeah, that is an incredibly versatile pedal, and just a, that was obviously the gain cranked up all the way. But here's something a little more subtle. Too subtle. Yeah, love that guy. How love do you use pedal. it different than the first pedal you talked about with uh, the nails? Because those are both kind of like preamps. I know that one is kind of yeah, overdrive. totally. That's a great question. I actually love the Benson more with my Starcaster. Okay. And the Earth Drive more with the, the single quills. Yeah. And you haven't brought it up yet, so I, I'm going to ask, and it might be down there, is uh, I know that a long time you used for a long time was the Banana Boost from JHS. Oh, yeah. Man, I haven't had that pedal for a while, um, which I, I did love. I did use it for shins. I now have... The, actually don't know, he doesn't put the name of the pedals on the front. I don't know the name of it. It's, um, you guys will see it in the photos, but it's gold. 
and it has a blue light and it's mini just like the foot fuzz oh that's perfect and it does the it does the trick you know it's transparent no frills it's tiny i have so much shit on my board that i was like josh i need something small i want that boost <laughs> yeah <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to give a shout out to? I just don't want to make, make uh, anyone feel slighted yeah. or anything. No. Um, shout out to Electro Harmonics. There's two of you on my board. I have the POG 2 on there as well. I play that. Um, gosh. And this is just like my touring board. I have so many sweet pedals at my place for studio stuff. But, um, I mean, all of these mean a lot to me. I don't put things on my board arbitrarily. And, I don't know, I feel like... Yeah, no, I, feel, I think we've covered it. I feel good about it. Perfect, and I, I appreciate you taking the time. This is, we're filming now in September, but uh, this will come out, yeah. and literally a few days from now, the record will come out, and uh, uh, Crazy. preemptive congratulations to that. Thank you very much. Do you have yeah. any plans about how that will be unveiled, you know, being 2020 as weird it has been? Do you guys have any oh, plays man. to celebrate and embrace the music with your fans? <laughs> Uh, we're working on some things. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, everybody's trying to figure out what works for them in terms of live streams and you do a whole show. Do you make it a special event? You know, like everyone's had a pivot and I think, I think we've done that well, like in the past and I'm looking forward to doing that well in the future. Um, and yeah, got some other fun things down the pipeline uh benson and i are working on a fun thing you know besides like the special edition impossible weight pedals and that's sweet uh yeah i'm just really really looking forward to playing a show again to going on tour <laughs> but the world needs to heal and yeah there's a lot of people that are in the same boat so maybe maybe you'll get to infiltrate uh the kexp studios since you're a hometown yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I love them so much. They've been really good to us. Yeah. We'd, uh, we'd love to make it back to the studios. And one last thing, cause, uh, uh do, do you care to tell at all what you're working with Benson on? Is it a pedal? Is it an amp? Or can we even not say that? I'll say it's one of the two you just mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Keep it vague. Awesome. I was going to say it's a toy train set or something stupid like that. Well, but. I mean, that'll definitely <laughs> keep people guessing. <laughs> it would be pretty sweet. He could probably build a toy train set. I, I don't doubt it. Yes, I, I do not put anything through that man. He could make it happen. Yep. Well, Jessica, <laughs> I appreciate you hanging out with me. And this is oh, another yeah, shout thanks, out to guys. Luke. I know he can't hear us right now, but Luke, thank you yes. for letting us thank do you, this Luke. in your home. <laughs> Jessica, thank you again. I appreciate it. And everyone should go check out Impossible Weight. Uh, this is Chris Keys for from your guitar, Jessica Dobson in Seattle, Washington. Thank you, Chris.